0: Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. Amen. Amen. Man, what a good text, what a good word this morning. What a good host. Uh, Tuki, well done for hosting for your first time. You're doing a great job on Zoom nonetheless. Um, we're really excited when we're going to be able to witness you in person as well. But you've done a cracking job so far. Uh, family, welcome this morning. And again, together with Tuki, I want to welcome everyone, especially if you're joining us for the first time. My name is Reinhard. You'll hear the double R Afrikaans all so in that. Otherwise, you can just call me Reinkies. Reinkies. Uh, Most of the people call me Rankies as well. I'm the pastor at Red Door and... Yes, 2 right. We're starting with a new series this morning, and it's super exciting. In this time, more than ever, we need to pray not only for ourselves and for our church, but for Pretoria. And we're better to go look for what we should be praying for, what we should be leaving, than in the book of Psalms. And so, in this Psalm series, we'll be looking at prayers for Pretoria. And it promises to be really good, even as we read this amazing text this morning. We're all kind of waiting with bated breath to see what the president is going to announce. We're going to listen to that announcement and we'll make um, some deliberations depending on what he's going to say. But nonetheless, we're still a community that's going to continue to love and enjoy one another and we want to continue and love our Lord and our city. And we're doing it this morning by sitting under his word and listening to what God wants to share with us this morning. And so, even though there's already been prayed for us, I'm going to pray again and ask that God just be with our hearts and the Spirit would soften our hearts as we take in this amazing psalm this morning. Let me pray for us. is being recorded. Thank you. Let me pray. Father God, uh, we thank you for this morning, this chilly morning, uh, that we can gather on Zoom, but that we can gather under a blanket and in the comfort of our own homes. And yes, Lord, even though we are separated and we miss one another, even as I was worshipping and singing and scrolling through the different faces and seeing how people are singing together, this is maybe a good time to remind ourselves how sweet it is when we are able to gather together as the people of God. Yet, in this season, we still see your Spirit moving and working. And Father, we want to see it working and moving in our own hearts, and our own lives. Help us that even through the medium of Zoom, that our hearts would be changed, more captivated, more enthralled by your beauty and you reigning. And so we, we thank you that you want to do that, that you will do that through your Spirit for your children. Amen. Great stuff. Uh, Family, if you could change one thing in Pretoria, what would it be? Have a think about that. If you can change one thing about the city of Pretoria, what would it be? Now, I'm not talking about geographically or importing an ocean or anything like that. I'm talking about some of the problems that we are facing in the city that you would want to see changed. Maybe it is the inequality that's so rampant in our city. Maybe it's the poverty that we see in the inner city. Maybe it's the access to good education and some people separated from the educational system. Maybe it's the health facilities and people's lack of access to it. Our city and our people are facing massive challenges in the city. And, and even though these are good things that we should be concerned about, especially as the people of God and especially as Red Door Church, that we want to be city loving, and we should be passionate about these things. And so whilst we have those things in mind, we should want to change it. We also need to ask the question, what is the primary thing that we want to see changed in the city? Those are good things that we do want to see change, and we need to change them. But what is the primary thing that we need to pray to God for and pray that He changes in the city? What is it that the people need? What is it that we need in the city? Well, as Christians, whatever we want to pray for the people, whatever we want to pray and see changed within the city, it can never be different than the things that we actually pray for our own hearts. The things that we want to see changed in our own hearts, and our own lives, should be the same that we're praying for the city as well. And so what is it that we need? What is it that we should look for in these trying times? Well, family, that's why we go to the Psalms. The Psalms is a beautiful collection of books or of, of, of songs sung to God because one, it expresses praise to God and it does express a lot of the facts that we know about God but it expresses it in an emotive form. You see, we serve a God that's not just one about cold, hard facts, but a God that is actually interested in our hearts as well. And so we see people come to God and they're raw and they're honest about their desires that they present to God, even as they're wrestling with the truths about God. And so that's my prayer and hope for us, not only this morning, but the next series, that we would be honest, not only with ourselves, but with God, as we bring our desires, our wants, the things that we want to see changed to God. And that in the process, as we make our desires known to God, that we would learn more about who and what God is, and allow that reality, that truth, to also change our hearts. And so... As God's covenant people, um, we want to come and we want to pray to God. And the things that we want to pray to God is not only for ourselves, but also for our city and for our neighbors, for Pretoria. And this morning, we're starting with Psalm 121. And uh, this particular psalm um, is called, and it's part of a collection of psalms that we call the Songs of Essence. It's typically referring to pilgrims that made their way to the city of Jerusalem to go and worship. It's either people that were on the journey or they were preparing for the journey to go and worship God. And so these psalms were the songs that they sung as they went on their journey. You could have either sung this by yourself or you would have sung this as a group as you prepared to make the journey. Or this would have been songs that you corporately sang after you've made the journey to the temple. Now, geographically, it's kind of interesting to note why they call it Ascent or Ascending, you know, the Songs of Ascending. Well, geographically, the city of Jerusalem is located in a mountain range, Which means that if you wanted to go to the city, you would have to ascend these mountain ranges and go through various mountain passages to get to the city. And so songs of ascent, it's like, okay, as I'm ascending through these mountain ranges, ascending up to the temple, I'm singing these songs. In verse 1 of today's passage, we see the psalmist saying, I lift my eyes to the hills or to the mountains, from where does my help come from? We can almost see the psalmist at the beginning of her pilgrimage, looking to the hills, looking to the mountains, and she's troubled for some other reason. And inadvertently, she asks, as she views the mountain pass, she asks the question, where does my help come from? Now, there's a very good reason why she's troubled and why she should be troubled as she looks towards the journey that this pilgrim is going to make. You see, in those days, the only way to travel from one place to another was by walking. Only the very rich had horses. Um, And on these journeys, it would be fraught with danger not only from wild animals but also from robbers who would ambush you who would take your belongings. We, we've read about this when you go read the parable of the Good Samaritan. You see that this happens actually quite often where people are ambushed and their belongings are taken away and they actually put in great danger. Now in the low country, this was less common as people were walking around because people would have less place to hide and to ambush people. But mountain passes were especially dangerous. So when the pilgrim looked towards the mountains, she's not thinking of some hypothetical danger that could befall her. She's actually facing her problem head on. She's staring the problem in the face. And she directly asks herself or just poses the question, where would my help come from? What can I possibly do in this situation? Where to now? If not now, um, be sure that you will also face a similar problem in your life. This is not a theoretical problem that the pilgrim is facing. This is a real-world problem that is staring her in the face. Family, what is the thing that is keeping you awake at night, right now? That very thing that, if it were to come to pass, would have a devastating effect on you. The thing that is so real in your, in your life right now, that like the psalmist, you inadvertently ask the question, where to now? What can I do right now? Where does my help come from? What can I possibly do in this situation? And if not now, be sure that you will face a situation like this in your life, many times. When it's not also just your well-being at stake, but also maybe the people around you. It might be that you're facing a situation right now in your life that's not just an external threat, but an internal one as well. Maybe you're struggling with addiction, substance abuse, anxiety or depression. An internal struggle that makes us wonder to whom or to what we can turn to. It's not just us in this community, it's the people of Pretoria as well. That as a collective, we're facing some of the problems. That's very real in this pandemic. We're facing the very real possibility of people losing their lives or losing their livelihoods as a result of lockdown. What do we pray? Where do we go to from here as we face these problems? While well, our pro- pilgrim, as she faces this very real-world problem and is daunted with the challenge that is up ahead for her, she turns and she confesses to the only one that is able to help her. The, w- the prayer that we're doing this morning and the one that we're actually starting the series with is actually quite beautiful because more than a request or a desire, it is out of a problem comes a confession. Confession and so, as she faces this problem that is posed in front of her, she confesses a truth, a prayer about who and what God is and what that means to her. A reminder of the truth, a declaration of God's power, if you will. And so, she answers, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. A stunning confession that the Lord God is the only one that is able to save, that is mighty to save. And a further helpful descriptor is why God is able and mighty to save. Why? Because He is the creator of heaven and earth. So this takes us back to Genesis 1, verses 1, to 3. The first couple of verses in the Bible. Read with me the following. It says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void and darkness was over the deep and the spirit of the god was hovering over the face of the waters and god said let there be light and there was light there was nothing and god created something he spoke into being through his word everything that exists the God whom we serve is not just a God who keeps everything in place, who tries and sustains everything, who tries and protect everything. No, He is the one that created everything out of nothing. Meaning... And this is very important, why the psalmist specifically references that at the beginning of the Bible, that no matter what happens right now, or that will happen in the future, that situation won't have the final say because it's not out of the hand of God who creates. Maybe to illustrate this biblical principle at work, think about the story In the book of Daniel, where Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were on trial because they refused to bow down to the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Let's quickly read that account in Daniel 3, what happens. And the king told them, Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon harp or bagpipe, and any kind of music, that you should fall down and worship the image that I have made. Well and good, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So very simple. The king told them, you either worship or you're going to burn. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? And their answer is so insightful into their understanding of who God is. God can save us from this fiery uh, fiery furnace if he so chooses. God will save us from your hand, king. Meaning that you don't have the final say in this situation. And number three, even if God does not choose to save us from this immediate situation, we won't serve you. And they say this with a lot of confidence. And family, it's because they believe that God is the Creator God. Yes, God can save them from the immediate danger, but if He if He so chooses. But our God is so much bigger than just the present. God can also save them, even if they were thrown into the furnace and perished, because the Creator God is able to recreate who is able to raise them from the dead, who is able that this situation, these circumstances won't have the final say. And most of us know how this story ends. They are delivered from the fiery furnace as well. And as our pilgrim looks towards her danger, she turns her gaze to the creator God who is able to holistically save and care for her. She believed this without knowing how God can accomplish this. Yes, she understands that this is who God is. Yes, she understands that God can resurrect. But how God can save and bodily resurrect us from this immediate situation, she doesn't really know. But she has faith. She trusts God. And she's encouraged by this truth. And so she confesses this and believes that even without knowing how God is still working out His salvation in the future, But family S, on the other hand, if she was encouraged by this very truth of God being the creator, we should be all the more encouraged. Because we're standing on this side of history, looking back towards her fate, but through the lens of the cross. We know exactly how it is that God will and does save us. Read with me Colossians 1 verses 15 to 20. And so we know the triune God was active and involved in creation, yet we see the acting agent, the creating agent, was Jesus himself. He is the one, he is the word of God that physically created what we're seeing around us. But in verse 18 of chapter 1 in Colossians, we see that he's also the firstborn from the dead, meaning that through his death and resurrection, he is now also the one recreating the new creation. So Jesus created the physical creation and is also now in charge through his death and resurrection of creating new creation. The one that is resurrecting, saving, reconciling, and creating the new heaven and earth that we will one day inhabit. And so why is the creator God mighty to save? Well, It's in many more ways that we can even think or dream. It's not just that he has this reality in his hands, but all realities. Death does not have the final say. Jesus has already gone through that curtain, and he's torn the veil so that we do not have to fear anymore. We need to hear this. Pretoria needs to hear this. And we need to be encouraged by this. We need to allow this truth to slowly change the way that we see the things around us. Slowly change the way that we engage even with the problems and the situations and the fears and anxieties around us. As we see God's faithfulness on display. Family, we we are invited trust and to see this God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe for the first time this morning, maybe being drawn back to the beauty of the cross, why is God mighty to save? Yes, he's the creator, but more than that, he is the re-creator, the creator of the new reality through Jesus. And in light of this, the psalmist continues to expand how this Creator God protects us. And she beautifully, through poetry, expresses in three stanzas the different ways in which she's experienced God's protection and the different ways and through she understands God's protection. And so we're going to dwell quickly in those three stanzas and as we're going to see how God's protection gives us assurance, how God's protection is immediate, how God's protection is complete. So we're going to look at how God's protection gives us assurance. His protection is immediate and His protection is complete or holistic. And so read with me verses 3 to 4 as we see God's protection that gives us assurance. Verse 3 to 4. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, we've spoken about this before, but no matter who you are on earth, um, no person can go without sleep. It will literally kill you if you don't sleep. When we sleep, we are utterly and completely defenseless. We have no idea what's going on around us, and we simply don't have the ability to look after ourselves, and no one escapes this reality. Every human being, at the end of the day, has to draw or drag their sorry bodies off to bed, and they've just got to lie there incapacitated. We are quietly actually communicating to our own hearts, we're not God. We're not in control. We need sleep. And secretly, everyone needs to, on some level, understand this reality that we can't be God because we don't have the ability to look after ourselves. Yet God, God is the God that does not slumber, that does not sleep. And so even though we created in the image of God and there's some attributes that we share with God, This reminds us that God is categorically different from us. In fact, there is no category for God. There's God and everything else. This is the God who keeps Israel. This is the God who keeps the people of God. You'll notice the word keeps and keeper throughout the psalm being repeated, and it it has reference to the way that a guardian would keep watch over you, would protect you. God keeps us even when we can't keep ourselves. That's why we can rest assured. God does does not sleep so that the Christian can sleep soundly. There is a trust in the character of God that helps us not just to sleep because we can't stay awake, but to be able to rest knowing that He's got our back. I'm convinced that's why babies sleep so well, when they sleep, when you actually get them to sleep. But when they actually sleep, and it's a trick to get them to sleep, but when they actually sleep, man, they don't ever care in the world. They just lie there passed out. And probably it is literally because they don't know What they're supposed to be afraid of. They've got no idea what are the dangers in the world, and so they just know that they can lie down and sleep. We, however, struggle with this because we are very much aware of what could go wrong. We're very much aware of the dangers in the world. We might know with our minds that God is our keeper, but deep in our bones we still doubt. And doubt causes fear, and fear lets us to struggle to really trust God for who and what He is. When Janine and I, my wife, just started dating, um, I took her bungee jumping at the Orlando Towers in Soweto. And we, as we took the lift to more than 100 meters in the air, I noticed that Janine was getting super quiet, not knowing at, the ta- at that stage that she had a secret fear of heights. And so as we ascending into this elevator, um, I, could see that she, I could see that she was really nervous. And so I tried to calm her nerves, and I chatted with the guy that was rigging us up, and I'm like, um, you know, has there ever been an accident here before? To which he replied, no, but there's always a first time. And I was like, my guy, you're not helping. Um, I was trying to calm Yanine's fears, and that just very much inflamed them. Um, but that's why we get an adrenaline rush, rush. That's why they're stressed, because even though we know we are tied to a rope, even though we've done everything possible to somehow protect us, we know that there's still the possibility of something going wrong, and us actually getting hurt. Family, not so with God. God is not only all-powerful, the Creator, but this God chooses to watch over you, and He does not sleep nor slumber. And so this can give us assurance. This can make us rest assured in His protection. So when we doubt, when we fear, we need to return to this God on our knees and pray. And very much like this psalm is to pray a prayer of confession, to remind our hearts, to confess who is this God that we are serving? Who is this God that does not slumber nor sleep and chooses to watch over his people and allow that truth to wash over your heart, to start taking away those fears and those doubts that keep us awake, that robs us of our rest, that robs us of our peace in God. God's protection gives us assurance. But His protection isn't far away. There's an immediacy to His protection. There's a closeness, a proximity to His protection as well. Read with me verses 5 to 6. It says that the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord is your keeper. He is your shade in your right hand, giving you protection by day and night. It almost gives us that protection of holding an umbrella in your right hand, and it kind of just gives you that relief from the midnight, midday sun, doesn't it? There's this immediacy of God's protection so close to you that it actually shades you, and He actually protects you from the sun or the moon. He's not a cruel God that kind of waits for us to suffer before he steps in. He's not far off. No, this is the Emmanuel, the God with us, next to us, always looking after us. And he already does this without us even knowing. There's so many things and so many ways that God actually protects us and look after us that we take for granted for your health. The air that you breathe, the ability to breathe, the fact that you woke up this morning. This isn't just natural consequence. It is the God of the universe that wills it. And that already cared for you before you even knew it. Or even asked for it. We need to ask and pray for God's protection. Definitely. That's part of the relationship. That's part of how we interact with God. However, this God already keeps us before we even ask for it. This God gives us what we need before we even ask Him. And He's never that far off that He is unable to watch over us. He is not... If you think about an ant farm, that you leave the ants there and you give them their space there where they've got to do those things and you've got cruel kids that kind of stand far off and it's like, I'm just going to see how this plays out. You know, I'm not going to give the ants the food they need and we're going to see what happens to this colony. And when they really do need something, I'll throw them whatever food they need. No, this God is not a cruel child looking to see how far he can stretch us. It is a good father that is intimately involved with his children. God's protection is immediate and close at hand. Family, lastly, we see that God's protection is complete. Read with me the last verses from 7 to 8. It says that the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Now, it's interesting, another way to translate verse 7 is that He will keep your soul and He will keep your being in all our comings and goings. Everywhere and in everything, God will protect us. And this short couplet is actually pretty powerful. It means that God will protect us holistically, completely. Remember when we said God's got our back? Well, here's where it really comes in often in our lives and in our circumstances we view our problems very one-dimensionally whilst the God of the universe sees the whole picture he's not bound by time or space or even just this reality when God gives or when God looks at our life he gives us exactly when what we need when we need it and he will protect us according to the greater scheme of things for example, we, you know, when you're faced with a difficult circumstance at work and there's the possibility that you might lose your job and income, which means you will lose your means whereby you'll not provide only for yourself, but also for your family. And it seems like, from our perspective, that the only possible good outcome for that situation would be for God to protect you that you shouldn't lose your job. That's the only answer. There's either one or two things. Either God's going to protect you and you won't lose your job, you won't and you will lose your job. However, God's view of you and your situation is that what we need is so much wider and deeper than just that. And so it might mean that you do lose your job but he will provide financially in some other way and in the process maybe even reveal areas where you did not trust him thereby giving you the opportunity to grow and weed out false idols God is so serious in his protection that he will not allow us to fall into the greatest danger of them all, which is not to trust in him, but rather to trust in the things around us. What might seem like calamity is actually God at work. When He protects us, it might not be what we're expecting or what we want in that moment, but it will definitely be what we need in that moment. What an awesome God! Even as we don't know what to pray for, even as we don't know what we need or need protection from, we can turn to a God that knows, that loves, and that gives generously. And above all, how we know that? How can we be assured that this is the God that protects and loves and gives generously while we look at the cross? We see that he gave everything in Jesus. He that did not spare his only son, surely he will give us everything that we need. And so family... Pretoria and the people of Pretoria we are in real trouble and real danger this isn't a hypothetical situation that we're facing right now we don't have to think up of some situation we are in a pandemic the salvation that we require is total we need change and that change is definitely economical systemic and political but it is more than that as well what we actually need is the salvation that only God can give through Jesus and the Spirit. It is salvation through our souls that works out into our very lives as well. And what we need to do as Christians is we need to confess this more and we need to pray more that the people of Pretoria would recognize this as well. And as they see that in us, and as we live this out in the people around us, people will start to recognize the truth and the goodness that there is and exists within Jesus Christ. May we be a family that not only prays this, but starts believing this more. May we be encouraged by who and what God is and what He has already done in His Son. If you have not yet, know that God's protection ultimately is also undeserved. There's nothing that we need to do to earn this from Him. There's nothing that we do that we can actually, that He should feel compelled to give it to us, but it gives us this protection f- freely through His Son. What we need to do is come as his family, come as his children and expect a loving Father to give this to us freely. And for that we love him and we thank him. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the creator. But that you did not just create and left us to our own devices, but you are actually the God who is intimately involved with his creation. And more than that, through your son Jesus, you are also the one that is intimately involved in the recreation, the new heavens and the new earth that starts through your resurrection. And for that we praise you. If death has no sting, surely no calamity will have the final say that we are faced with right now. Lord, we thank you that even in the psalm, we, we, we see the invitation that we can come to you and regularly just make our desires and our requests known to you. And I pray that in this process of prayer, of repentance and of confession, that our hearts would be changed in this. That as we remind ourselves of the truth of who God is, that this fact would change us and make us love you more love our community more, and serve the city well. We pray that you would do this more, and we pray that we would start believing this more, that this belief of who you are would drive out the fear that we have still lurking in the corners of our hearts. We thank you that we can grow and that the Spirit will continually do this more and more. Amen.